author Leo Tolstoy once told a story about three monks, three hermits who lived on an island alone far out into the middle of the ocean. And the three monks who lived on this island lived a life of simplicity and prayer. And their prayer was as simple as they were simple. And it went like this. We are three. You are three. Have mercy on us. Amen. And that's it. That's all they prayed. We are three. You are three. Have mercy on us. Amen. And sometimes when they prayed like that, miracles would happen. And it was very simple, and even the bishop took notice about the things that were going on, and the bishop of the area, the region, said, I think it's time to instruct these simple Christians on how to really pray. So he chartered a ship and sailed all the way out, came to the island. They greeted him enthusiastically. They played games together. They ate. They laughed. They sang, and they learned to pray And he taught them, he instructed them how to pray. And after a fruitful season, he departed, and there was a lot of sadness. And as his ship was sailing away, the bishop looked over his shoulder to see a flash of light. And as the light that flashed grew bigger, he noticed it was a glowing orb that was skimming across the top of the ocean, running, skimming just right on top of the water, top speed towards the ship. And in a panic, they tried to steer the ship this way, and the ball of fire would follow them, and then that way, and the ball of fire would follow, and finally, when it came close enough, he could see that it was the three monks, the three monks running on top of the water, skimming on top of the water on fire, and coming up to the ship, and finally, they climbed aboard, and they said, Father, teacher, we forgot everything that you've taught us. Could you come back and teach us again? We forgot everything that you taught us. Come back and teach us again. To which he replied, "Uh, Never mind. Just keep doing what you're doing. It seems to be working. Never mind. And he just left. I tell you that story because I suspect that I am like the bishop, and you might be like the monks. And if what you are doing works for you and it brings you onto holy ground, if all this time your prayers have brought you into holy communion with God, then don't change a thing. Forget everything that I say. Do it your way. If it works for you, do it your way. You don't have to do it, quote unquote, my way. As long as it works for you and as long as you're walking on water, as long as you're on holy ground with God, if it works, do it your way disregard what I'm saying. Now, having said that, if you're not doing it, if nothing, there is nothing by the way of prayer going on, then I will say what D.L. Moody, the great evangelist, once said, I like my way of doing it better than your way of not doing it. I like my way of doing it better than your way of not doing it. So, take it or leave it. Um, But just hear the instruction. If it works, take it with a grain of salt. Um, There's different perspectives on prayer. And I hope that I'm not teaching my way, but that I'm here to fan into flame what already exists within you. Hopefully, there is some practice of prayer in your lives. 
and I hope that I can simply come alongside. That's my hope. So we're continuing this series called Practical Prayer. And what we did for the first two weeks is we set the stage to talk about the need for a structure of prayer. Um, We can pray at any times. We can just kind of have this meditative approach. In fact, I think for the last 15 years, that's what I've done. I've been challenged lately to recommit to a structured place and a time. And for me, this is, it's new, believe it or not, um, to recommit myself to a structured. Before, I used to just kind of be like this Zen thing. I'll just pray at all times and just be in the spirit. But I've learned that I slip. I've learned that I need to have a structured place. And so the first two weeks, when we learned the Lord's Prayer the first week, we learned that you have to have a secret place. You have to have a set place. I'm under the increasing conviction that prayer is not something that um, we can do without a little bit of nesting. I, I think more and more I think about it, everybody, most people, I think, um, have to actually prepare a space. This is where we pray. This is where I pray um, in private. And on top of that, last week when we went through the woven prayer of examine, Um, I want to encourage you just to listen to that podcast, not because it's my teaching, but I think it will help. We talked about the need to set a time to pray, a structured place and also a structured time. But on top of that, um, I do think that there is merit to the idea of a spirit of prayer that is meditative, prayer that goes on throughout the day, something called practicing the presence of God, if you've heard of this. Um, For me, there was a time where I was very structured, almost legalistic in my approach to prayer. This was about 15 years ago, and I I had a set time, and I prayed. And then there just came a moment where I I hit a wall. I hit a wall, and I was unable to pray any further. And what happened was I had to start learning how to pray meditatively throughout the day. And a new language had to be birthed. That's when I stumbled onto Brother Lawrence's book, Practice of the Presence of God. I began to read about this notion of living in God's presence. Hudson Taylor, the great Protestant missionary, would talk about abiding in Christ. To this day, I still don't fully get it. I still don't fully get how to practice the presence of God. And I think I haven't really recovered from that traumatic episode 15 years ago when I felt like my mouth was shut and I couldn't pray anymore um, the same way. I miss those old days. But in some ways, I know that I've grown and moved um, a little bit deeper in prayer. We're learning to pray in a structured way, but we're also learning to pray meditatively throughout the day and hopefully have a few words. And so I'm going to talk about meditative prayer today. Today I'm going to talk not just about the structured part, but more about the unstructured part. Maybe your prayer is in the morning, but then midday you encounter some kind of a crisis. Or maybe you pray in the evenings, but there comes a moment where you're just in trouble. You know, some of the the lyrics that were sung this morning by the worship team. And that first song that Sarah sang with with just those lyrics, I think, really came alive. You know, I'm in a little bit of trouble. I wanted to cuss. What what else did it say? You know, the pantry's bare or something like that. You know, and how do we pray throughout the day in those moments, especially when in the heat of stress, when we encounter stress, and really the last thing you want to do is pray. It's just why why the mental exertion, the effort? And I'm going to focus on this. I'm going to focus on how we pray throughout the day um, and how we can use prayer um, to live throughout our moments, day-to-day moments. So two parts I'm going to talk about. The first is that we pray, 
And the second part is what we pray. That we pray and what we pray. And if it's okay, I'd like to just close our eyes and I'd like to just open us up in a prayer. Lord, I, um, I confess that even in my own life, I've just been coming back to a structured time of prayer. Lord, for all of us as your disciples, we came to you and we said, teach us how to pray, Lord. The reason we said that is because we saw you praying. We saw you pray in secret and we saw the power. We know that when you prayed, things happened. We know that you came almost like a vision, walking on water quite literally and meeting us out on the ocean. We know that when you prayed, you were transfigured on the mountain. We know that when you prayed, you derived strength when it seems like burnout was inevitable. We know that when you prayed, there was new power to your words, that when you prayed, things happened, that when you prayed, people were healed, that when you prayed, revival happened. We saw it with our own eyes. But Lord, help us now because we are so cool. We are cerebral. We're rationalistic. We've put it into a formula. Our hearts have gotten a little bit colder. We're older, so to speak. But Lord, some of that heat, some of that warmth, could you bring it to us now? Don't let us be like those saints that the older they got, the colder, the harder, harder they got, and the arteries became more clogged. Make us, make, us, make us sensitive and soft and pliable. Teach us how to pray, Lord, the way you prayed. And help us, Lord, to experience your glory in the midst. This we pray in Jesus' name. That we pray. If we could turn to Jonah chapter 2, verses 1 to 9, or look on your screen or in your bulletin. If you've heard of the famous story of Jonah, I mean, most everybody has heard something about it. Somebody uh, may have told you the story of a man. Maybe you've heard that he was a prophet. He ran away from God, got tossed overboard, in a uh, tossed overboard of a ship and wound up deep in the waters and getting swallowed up by a fish. It actually, I don't believe it says whale. But whatever the case is, he was in the belly of this large, stinking animal. The innards are stinking. and um, For me, I'm not interested in the scientific veracity of how that's possible. I think that all of us relate to what it's like to be inside the belly of the whale. Maybe you're in the thick of it right now. Maybe you're in the thick of whatever situation or stress that you are upon in your life. Jonah had the presence of mind to pray. Listen to verse 1, verse 1 to 9. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the stomach of the fish, and he said, I called out of my distress to the Lord, and he answered me. I cried for help from the depth of Sheol, and you heard my voice. For you had cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the current engulfed me. All your breakers and billows passed over me. And so I said, I have been expelled from your sight. But nevertheless, I will look again toward your holy temple. Water encompassed me to the point of death. The great deep engulfed me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. 
I descended to the roots of the mountains. The earth with its bars was around me forever. But you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. While I was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who regard vain idols forsake their faithfulness, but I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. That which I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation is from the Lord. These are remarkably crafted words from the belly of the whale. I don't know who has the presence of mind to pray like that when they're under stress. When you're in a place of stress, the last thing that we want to do is pray. It requires too much of a mental exertion. It requires too much of a mental effort. The first thing that we do in a moment of stress is what? Think for yourself. In a moment of stress, even for this week, what was the first thing you did? For me, the first thing that I do is act. Rather than pray, the first thing I'm going to do is try to fix it. The first thing I'm going to do is try to react or, or to somehow address whatever is in front of me. I'm not thinking prayer. Goodness, what would it be like, Doc, if you're in a, in a, in a code situation? I don't know if I'm phrasing that right, where everybody's like, you know, running around and you've got to resuscitate a patient. Who's going to stop and pray <laughs> during a moment like that? And yet sometimes, sometimes the best thing to do is actually first to pray. Whatever the code situation in your life is, Maybe it's best not to push send right away. Maybe it's best not to react right away. Maybe it's best not to move or to do something right away, but to pray. Sometimes it's in the belly of the whale where we want to find a way out. But think about it. How dangerous is that? You manage to crawl out. You've exerted all your effort. You're sweaty. You're hot inside. And finally, you open the mouth of the whale, the fish, whatever, and you get out only to drown. And you find that you've dug yourself into a deeper hole through your actions, through our actions, that through struggling, through acting, actually, actually, no, don't struggle to get out of the fish because you'll drown. You'll sink even deeper. Maybe the best thing to do is to pray a way will be opened to pray. A way will be opened, whatever that situation is. That Jonah prayed is remarkable. That he had the presence of mind to pray is remarkable. But here's the deal. If you've ever been in that situation where you've been under so much stress, what, what, you're certainly not going to compose a perfect nine-line um, nine line symmetrical you know, prose writing the way Jonah. Who has the time to do that? Who has the mental effort to do that? I'm going to write in my journal. How do we even know what Jonah prayed inside the whale or the fish? I think the secret is this. The application that I want to call out, fill in the blank, is make prayer easy and accessible through memorization. Memorize something really simple. And that way, what happens in a time of stress is you're not composing Shakespeare on the fly. You're calling to mind something that you know, something that maybe you remember from childhood, and you're repeating it over and over meditatively. That, I think, is what the heart of practicing the presence of God is. That, I think, is what the heart of meditative prayer is. 
For example, and I'm going to share with you three or four meditative prayers at the close. They're all biblical. They're all scriptural. There's a breath prayer. They call it a breath prayer. It's called the Jesus prayer. And it simply goes like this. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Probably no more than a dozen words, easy to memorize. And in a time of stress, how much more easier is it to just say that repeatedly? Maybe you need something even shorter. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I'll just take Jesus' words uh, from Gethsemane. God, I'm in it. This is hard. Thy will, not my will, be done. Thy will, not my will, be done. Thy will, not my will, be done. Or maybe there's another prayer. These are the, these are the, the, these are the prayers that are recorded by, in Chan's voice. They're all biblical. I'm struggling, God. Here's one where you're in a difficult place and you need to have faith. Mark chapter 9, I believe. Help my unbelief. I believe. How about, how about that? How about that? You're running, you're in your rounds, and you hear the flat line, and you're just running to your appointment. You're running to, to, running to, the, to the scene of crisis. I believe. Help my unbelief. I believe. Help my unbelief. What would that be like in situations? Or you have a crisis, maybe some of the kids that you're working with. And how do you respond in a situation like that? Here's another good one, Luke chapter 22. Oh, actually, we said that already. Thy will, not mine, be done. Here's another one, Matthew 27. It's, it's the prayer of the forsaken. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? Now, that's a little bit heavy and dark, but that's what Jesus said. Take, take it or leave it, but find something, I would say, that's scripturally based Use it as a prayer repeatedly over and over again, especially the Psalms. The Psalms have a lot of good stuff. The point is, by memorizing a simple phrase, you have something on hand. For example, I'll be flying uh, in less than 24 hours. I'll be traveling up to the Midwinter Conference like I do every year this time. And if I hit some turbulence, we'll see. We'll put this to the test. What, what do I have on hand in my mind that I can repeat. I don't know. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Um, prayer doesn't have to be difficult. Now, there is one sense where prayer is difficult. I think the structured aspect of it is difficult. Rising early to pray or committing your evening hour or five minutes even to prayer, that part is hard. It's difficult. But I think prayer throughout the day, we should make it not difficult but easy easier through the skill of memorization. It doesn't have to be hard. It can be easy. It can be easy as long as we are able to memorize a few select and simple phrases and take those with us throughout the day. The second half that I'd like to talk about is what we pray. What we pray. That Jonah prayed in times of stress is remarkable. But look at Jonah chapter 2 again. If you look especially in your bulletin, if you look in your bulletin and you see the passage of Jonah, on the bottom you're going to see an abundance of cross-references. There are just as many footnotes, I'll add to that. But when you look at the cross-references in your Bible, what do you notice? What you'll notice as you look at Jonah 2 is that frequently, 
a lot of the stuff that he's saying is in fact memorized. A lot of the stuff that he's saying, it's not mm, original to him. A lot of the stuff that he's saying cross-references the Psalms. In other words, Jonah and the blue whales is not an original band. They're a cover band. Jonah and the blue whales play no original material. None of their music is original. All of their stuff is cover material. For example, all your breakers and billows passed over me. Psalm 42. (laughs) I was fainting away. Psalm 142. You have brought up my life from the pit. Psalm 30. And of course, salvation is from the Lord. Chris Tomlin. No, Psalm 3. None of the stuff is original. None of the stuff he wrote. It's all cover material. It's all stuff that's been pre-written. He takes it and he just puts it together. It's like when you're in trouble and you're in a place of stress, you start singing the praise songs in your head. You don't even remember the lyrics, but you start stringing words together and somehow it's coherent and somehow it helps. And that's what he does. He puts together this hodgepodge of songs that he may have learned as a child growing up in Jewish school and learning the Psalms by memory. And he puts them together and he finds his peace. That he prayed is significant, but even more significant is what Jonah prayed. Finding your words is hard in times of stress. Maybe it's better to find the words of Scripture, and let those words fuel and actually bring you to a deeper, more intimate place. There once, I'll share a last story. There once was a woman who had a very deep well. This woman was constantly thirsty. That's because she was drinking water from the surface, from the surface that was kind of tepid, kind of had been sitting for a while. It didn't taste as good. But she knew, having tasted before, that there is a deeper well where the water is freshest down there. And so she took her bucket and she drew and she would try to dip from that deep well. The problem is her bucket was too shallow. It didn't go deep enough. It was not broad enough. And so she yearned For the deeper waters, she wanted to drink the fresher waters, and yet she needed a bucket that was deeper, that was broader. Praying the Psalms is that bucket. What we're talking about is a delivery method. We're talking about delivery method. The Psalms and Scripture, for that matter, become the bucket that we need. When I find that I pray from my own words, there's a genuineness to it. Sometimes I find, however, that I need to voice something that's going on deep inside. When I want to be inspired about true love, I know uh, Valentine's Day is coming up, and um, I think that Sunday maybe we'll dedicate how to pray for a, a significant other. How to pray for a significant other. Yes, actually, you have to pray for your loved one. You have to pray for the other person. You want your marriage to get better? You have to pray. But let's say that you want to be inspired and you want to inspire, you want to write some beautiful poetry for your spouse and so you watch High School Musical. And you find to some degree that helps. 
But actually, you go back to the source. You go to the deeper well, which is Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. Am I correct in understanding High School Musical was based on Romeo and Juliet? Is that right? I think it is. And you find that you're able to draw from the deeper well, the deeper well of love. In the same way, Scripture is our deeper well. And by dipping into the bucket, the Psalms or whatever Scripture it is, and praying what you read, and that's the second application. Learn to pray what you read. Pray what you read. By praying what you read, the delivery method has, your delivery method has become more effective. The bucket has been able to draw into a deeper and fresher source. Scripture is the bucket. It is the delivery method. Pray what you read. You know, I really think that there is a connection between prayer and Bible reading. There is a connection between prayer and Bible reading. And for all of you who are doing your, your um, Bible reading plan, underline something that speaks to you and see if you can take that with you throughout the day. Underline something and make it a prayer. Turn it into a prayer. It might be hard to turn Leviticus into a prayer or the conquest of, of um, you know, uh, help me out here, Joshua, Jericho, the conquest. But then again, actually, there is some stuff. There is some stuff there. I think some of you have read that section this week, I believe. Somebody was saying, you know, reading about Joshua and Jericho. Maybe there is something there that you can take, and it will be your bucket this week. Our friend, our sister, Chan, recorded four prayers and four examples. I'm not going to ask you to memorize these or what. Um, I want you to find your own. But these are four examples. And for that matter, the audio version is recorded online, so you can find it on our website, Practical Prayer website. Um, these four prayers are simply, I believe, help my unbelief. Thy will, not mine, be done. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And so, if it helps, you can memorize these or memorize others. Recite those when you are in your tight situation. Use them meditatively throughout the day. Use them. Um, I hate to use this word, but I'm going to use it because I think it's the closest approximation. But use it like a mantra. Um, that has new age connotations, but we're, we're reciting the scripture. That's the point. And uh, that's, that's, that's the emphasis. That's meditative prayers. Um, I do actually... Do we have the woven prayer of examine, by the way? If we could just pull that up, since um, we missed, some of us missed that last week, I do want to just read this one last time by way of review. So today we're talking about meditative prayers, but if I could just read the woven prayer of examine, this was last week's prayer, just by way of review, and we'll close. It starts by saying, God, I am grateful for today. As I review my day, what should I take notice of? Please shed your light and show me what I really need. Where was I resentful, selfish, dishonest, or afraid? Do I owe an apology? Have I kept something to myself which should be discussed with another person at once? 
Was I kind and loving towards all? Or was I thinking of myself most of the time? Forgive me for my harms and show me what corrective measures I should be taking. This I do in Jesus' name. If we could just keep those up and just periodically rotate through them. You can even take a phrase from here. Whatever works for you. In closing, I'd like to just uh, take a time of prayer. Um, quiet, uh, meditative prayer. Maybe you might even want to pray through the examine as Frank cycles through those words. And worship team, won't you come on up? I want to give you just a little bit of time to respond and to pray yourself and to look deep within the wells of your own heart to see what you need. Ask God to shed light on what you need. Many times we don't even know what we need. So ask God, show me what it is that I need today. There's something, there's something there, and I don't even know what's going on, but help me, Lord. this holy place I pray that you would meet every single one of us in an intimate way and in a powerful way I pray that you would shed your light on the deepest hidden parts of our souls take away now the rationalizations the rationalizations the rationalizations lower our defenses with your kindness and gentleness lower our guard repair our spirits for it will only benefit us alone it will only benefit ourselves and as you shed your light I pray that you would do do for us what we cannot do for ourselves help us to come clean make us honest with you and show us in the deepest parts of our being what we really truly need Lord, we live lives of quiet desperation. Some of us are terrified of tomorrow. And whatever it is at work or life or family or even just going home that we face, I pray that at this moment you would speak a word of inspiration that would place us on the higher plane that we've been looking for and that will help us to understand what is going on within. We bring ourselves to you, Lord, in this place asking touch us Lord heal us revive us show us your love any need that comes up at this time I just want to encourage you to continue in prayer and as God sheds light on whatever it is within Right now, just name it. Just name it in your heart. Just name it. And then, for another minute, just respond to God in prayer.
Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on us, sinners. We give to you now on the throne, on the altar, we lay down our insecurity. We lay down our deep-seated fear. We lay down whatever it is that's been driving our anger lately. We lay down our frustration at our own frustration. We lay down the repeated behaviors that's coming from somewhere too. And we pray that you would touch the deepest parts this week and do a good work of healing. And so God, we offer ourselves to you to build with us and to do with us as you will. In Jesus' name.